Just before we get into this week's episode, want to give a shout out to the great team of writers that we've got producing content for our website, nflscotland.com. Make sure that you check it out. The guys are kicking things off this week with their fantasy previews. So check it out now, www.nflscotland.com. Right, let's get to the podcast. Welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. This is episode 196, and it might be the preseason, but we are not resting our starters because this evening, of course, always joined by Mr. Paul Mitchell, also joined by Charles Patterson, Gordon McGuinness, as we turn our attention to the South. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Cameron. How are you, sir? I am excellent. I'm sorry, I didn't even see you there. Apologies. He's showing up. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's waving two fingers at me and I wasn't even looking at the screen. That's a great start to the podcast. <laughs> so we tried something different tonight. We tried some no, play calling. Me, hang up. Time out, time out, time out. Let, let me just... I've been away a couple of weeks. I've clearly got out the flow of this. I didn't miss you because all I got was abuse last week. Um, you're, you're you're waving pictures at me down Zoom. We've started 25 minutes late and I've got a bee in my bonnet because all I got was dogs abuse last week because apparently I only come on when we're talking about the Packers. Well, that's garbage, first of all, because we're here to talk about the South. And just to let the rest of the wider world know, the login for this Zoom meeting every week for the last year has been Packers. So the only person who's obsessed with the Packers is Cameron Hobbs. Anyway, so got off my chest now. That's fine. We're, we're doing some play calling tonight. Uh, I have given <laughs> Charles a signal there that he didn't pick up on right away. I was too busy so, looking at my stats, actually. <laughs> sympathetic to Kyler Murray. The only other thing I'm going to add, Gordon McGuinness, is that we've heard the, the name of uh, one football team said three times already on this podcast, we're talking about the South. Uh, apparently he's not obsessed, but he's mentioned them three times already. It's not It's not overly surprising though, is it? Given how he usually is in the podcast. Well, I was going to say, you're, you're talking about we're uh, not, we're playing the starters. I almost didn't get in until the fourth quarter, but that nonsense at the start there, we're almost at the end of the podcast. Oh, well. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you want to call it here, we can just go away from this and that'll be fine. Uh, right. Jesus wept. This is going to be a so, long night. This is going to be a long night. <sighs> Buckle in, people. Here we go. This is our attentions turning to the south. We've done the north. We've done the east. Obviously, a couple of hot divisions where things get warm unless you're in Indianapolis and then it just gets indoors. But this is uh, a couple of divisions where there are some talking points worth focusing in on. And I'm going to turn over to my co-host as, Paul, I think you're going to take us through the AFC to begin with. Now, we're doing it this way as well, because I know this NFC is going to just be a lot of noise and bluster. So we've got to try and keep people, right? Get through the AFC where we might have an organized, constructive chat, and then we'll move on to the NFC. But it'll just be an You invited us along. We're not going to have that, are we? (laughs) Okay, let's have a little look at the AFC South, which for the last two years have been won by... The Tennessee Titans were records of 11 and 5 and 12 and 5, but Tennessee haven't gone very far, lost the wildcard playoffs in 2020 to the Ravens and lost the divisional playoffs to the Bengals last year. So, Gordon McGuinness, we'll start with you. Are we looking at a Tennessee repeat or does the Indianapolis Colts having a change at quarterback make them the favourites for the division? I think the Colts are probably the favourite here. I think the quarterback change is relatively significant. 
they were a pretty good team with Philip Rivers. They were there or thereabouts with Carson Wentz. Should have made the playoffs. It's kind of hard to see Matt Ryan, even in the latter stages of his career, not being better than both of those two options. Yeah, Charles, I mean, I'm intrigued by what Matt Ryan can do. Atlanta have obviously taken the decision to move on. And that's probably good news for him because he slots into a team that, on the face of it, you think has got a very, very good chance of getting out a division, which isn't the hardest in the league. I, I, the, the Colts bemuse me year after year. They're in this perpetual cycle of trying to find the quarterback that's going to take them over the hump to the Super Bowl or deep into the playoffs at least. And they they imploded beyond belief in the final game of last season against the Jaguars. Um, they are, I think now, the coaching staff or certainly the general manager in win or you're out territory. And I'm not entirely convinced that Matt Ryan is going to necessarily keep these guys in a job. Now, they are on paper in a weak division, but I don't think that the defence is massively uh, in, in a position whereby if Matt Ryan's not having a good game or if Jonathan Taylor's getting bottled up, that they're going to be able to stand up and, and do the job. I get the sense that they're a team that is just they feel that they're one piece away. I think that they're more than one piece away. And if I was to be a betting man, which I'm not, I would still say, do you know what? Form counts for a lot. And I, I, I rely. I would rely on Tennessee much more. You know, when you when you come to it comes to a dirty fight, because I think it will be a bit of a dirty fight between the two of them. I, I don't trust the Colts. I'm sorry, I don't trust the Colts as a as an organization to get it right. So Cameron, if we can't trust the Colts, can we trust the Titans? Because while they've got to the playoffs, I mean, to say they've disappointed is almost an understatement. Yeah, they have. And I think that if we go back to last year, the Titans, if they retain a fit Derrick Henry throughout the season, I think that they have a much better year. They have much better penetration into the postseason. And I think that they're able to do an awful lot more. I think that you can't really count for how much that injury was there. Also, AJ Brown was perpetually banged up. Julio Jones never really came to the form that we'd seen from him in Atlanta. Uh, now, obviously, this year they, they've traded away AJ Brown. They've brought in Traylon Burks, who a lot of people are raving about. But Robert Woods, now obviously Robert Woods spent a lot of time injured last year. But I think that the talent at the wide receiver position, though, it feels fresher. And it's a it's a difficult one because you you know AJ Brown's so productive and so capable as a wide receiver that it's going to be hard to match what he's able to do as a fit player. But I think the fact that he spent a lot of time on the sidelines carrying injuries and things like that, the Titans will need to hope that one, Derek Henry comes back and is fit, two, Robert Woods comes back and is fit, and that Traylon Burks is the AJ Brown replicant that we've been told that he's going to be. I think that the downside to the Colts, the one thing there is the wide receiver position. I feel like the Colts, T.Y. Hilton's obviously been banged up as well. Hang on. The, the Colts are surely better at wide receiver than the Titans. So I think Michael Pittman's a great, like as a wide receiver, brilliant. Beyond him, I'm not convinced about any of them. Mo Ali Cox, even as a tight end, I just, there's nobody in that roster 
at, at the wide receiver position for me, for the Colts, that I'm getting up out my seat excited to go and see. There's so much depth at running back, and they're going to play so much out of that backfield. But for me, that's not what you get Matt Ryan for. Like, Nick Foles is QB2. You could put Nick Foles into that Colts team if you're going to lean on that backfield. Matt so, Ryan is an immediate upgrade on Carson Benz, who, let's be honest, is an absolute... As we discussed, as you guys discussed last week when you so hurtfully left me in the sidelines, um, Carson Benz is a complete trash bag of a quarterback. Now, I'm once again, once again begging this podcast to pronounce the W in his name. Yes. Wentz. Command. Take command. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 think, I think this is about... Defense and offensive line. And the Titans defense, in my view, is better than the Indianapolis Colts defense. And I think that the Colts offensive line is better than the Titans offensive line. Tennessee should have beaten Cincinnati, don't forget, in the playoffs. They flattened um, Joe Burrow nine times. That front four is fantastic on its day. Don't people forget that they absolutely annihilated Matthew Stafford during the regular season? So the Titans were number one seed in the AFC for a specific reason. Yes, they've lost AJ Brown, but they also got to number one seed in spite of the fact that they didn't have Derek Henry. I I don't see how you can make Tennessee anything other than favorites for this division based on recent form and the fact that they have that defense that you can lean on potentially. I think the other interesting point is they had four draft picks in the top 100, six in the top 150. So they had that chance to rebuild that talent. But Gordon, the one thing that puzzled me slightly about the division and how it's matching up, we're seeing Tennessee and Indianapolis go head to head. Their matchups are finished by week seven, which is bizarre to have the top two play so early against each other. And I, I, I just found that slightly bizarre from the schedulers. They come together on the 2nd of October and again on the 23rd. I wonder if maybe the NFL and the schedule makers don't think they're the stick on top two in this division. Um, who else is getting I, into that top two? If if you are if you are looking at a division where someone can go worst to first, take everything we saw about the Jaguars last season and put it with the asterisk that Urban Meyer is arguably the worst NFL head coach in a very, very long time. <laughs> they got the number one overall pick at quarterback a year ago. Like they've got they've got talent at wide receiver. Christian Kirk, they overpaid for him, but he's a pretty solid wide receiver. Marvin Jones is a good wide receiver. I think LaVisca Chenault is absolutely fine as your number three. Their offensive line's not terrible. James Robinson's good. Travis Etienne's potentially very good. If if Trevor Lawrence, so if I said to you at the end of this season, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback out of Davis Mills, Ryan Tannehill, and Matt Ryan has the best season. I don't think that's that hot a take. I think that's pretty fair, but I think I don't. But, I, I but don't. Point, I don't see how the team can mesh that quickly together. That's the thing. They've been so bad for so long. It wasn't just before, um, you know, before before all the shambles of last season. They weren't any good before Urban Meyer arrived. I, I agree. But they, like, they should have been. They should have been, Gordon. I think they've got, <laughs> and they've had the talent for quite a while. How often, though, do you get the chance to basically, I mean, arguably they've just been, you know, throwing talent away. I mean, the draft pick again this year, I mean, they picked, what, five players in the top 70? Or they had five picks, they traded one out, out to Tampa. I mean, Trevon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Luke Fortner, uh, Chimamba, uh, the linebacker. 
it never seems they've got a coherent strategy coming from the front office for draft picks, and they then mix that with poor coaching. Yeah, and they've had like a lot of um, like upheaval numerous years in a row now across like various different points. Um, and I was I, like, cards on the table didn't love Trayvon Walker at number one overall. I think he had like an absolutely ridiculous combine, and that's great. He wasn't the most productive guy at Georgia. Um, and he's kind of looked okay in preseason, but the guy who they passed over him for, Aiden Hutchinson, looked a good bit better for the Lions, I think, so far. So I, I just think this is the type of division whereby it's not a very exciting division. I know that I, I'd actually forgotten that the Titans wound up being the number one seed because <laughs> and it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that they were the number one seed. Um, they beat but, a lot of good teams last season in a lot of close games, but they... I mean, they beat. They beat. Uh, they should have beaten. As we said, they should have beaten the Bengals in the playoffs. They did. They, they beat the Chiefs during the regular season. They went on that a fantastic streak. I think from about week three to week eight, where every team they beat was either number one ranked in the opposite conference or in or in the division that they were playing in. They are a tough team. They're in, they encapsulate everything about their head coach and Mike Vrabel. He he feeds off that sort of New England toughness onto them. And I just think that they're a horrible team to face. The question is, is Derrick Henry fit? Can he put all those miles on the clock again? Because if he can, then I don't I don't see why that they are not the team to be. I, I like the... F- I, I, Jacksonville cannot be any worse. They cannot be any worse than they have been. No. And... The, the, we haven't talked about Houston yet, so I'm sure that there is the uh, the one guy out there who's waving a flag, standing on his mountain, going, "Houston can actually do a job." Well, um, I don't think Houston are going to win the division, but I think Houston are going to cause a lot of problems in the division. Let's come to Houston in a minute. Let's let's talk about because a lot of people listening to this podcast will be going to Wembley for the game, the Broncos against the Jags. They'll have played seven games by that point. I'm going to read you out the schedule, and I want you to give me what you think their record will be. Okay, let's just be honest. So at Washington, home to Indianapolis, at the Chargers, at the Eagles, home to the Texans, at the Colts, and then home to the Giants the week before they come to London. That's the opening seven. Cameron, I'll start with you. So I'm going to be optimistic and jump on... Gordon's bandwagon. I didn't give a retort to that. I feel like the Jags are a perpetual six out of ten team. I feel like they've got six out of tens across the board, and a team like that can can win some games. I, this is a Scottish NFL podcast. The Jacksonville Jaguars are St. Mirren, right? Every now and then they're going to have a great result, but you know what? They're pretty much going to be down the bottom, not achieving much. And then every now and then they'll do something. You go like. God, I didn't see that coming. And everyone goes like, oh, I can't believe we just lost to Simone. Right? Um, sorry, are, are we are we are we oh, calling okay, okay, Stephen Robinson? Answer the question. Are, are, What's are, the are record? We, wait, wait, wait. Are we are we calling the AFC championship game in what was it, 2016, whenever it was? The, like call- when St. Mirren made it to the Scottish Cup final. Yeah, or the League Cup final. The, yeah, the, once in a blue moon. Yeah, they do they it every absolutely now and then. imploded. Yes. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same analogy, right? Every now and then they'll do a run and you're kind of like, what are they doing here? They could actually do... Oh, no, they didn't do it. Um, optimistically, three and four. Okay, Realistically, realistically no, no. one, one no. and seven. I, right. That's your answer. Uh, uh, answer. Simmer so and beat Dundee United at the weekend, so they are running up, by the way. Charles, yeah. 
well, the I, record right? Well, you just went through this, the record. Let's have a look at it. I think they'll beat Washington in week one. I, think I, that's I the, had the same. I think that's yeah. the surprise of the week. I think they'll split the two games with the Colts because the Colt, especially since the Colts, uh, have, got, have got ghosts from that game that they just played in week uh, week eighteen in the regular season. Uh, they'll lose to the Chargers. I think they'll lose to the Eagles, and I think that they could beat the Texans at home. So then you get to week seven, and you're three and three. And you're playing the Giants at home. The Giants are a complete and utter dog's dinner of a franchise as well. So I think that they could be four and three. They could be th- four and three. Best case scenario. I think it's more likely that they'll be three and four, but they could be four and three going to that game against Denver. Let's see if Gordon McGuinness can actually answer the question without taking 15 minutes to do it. Gordon, what's the record <laughs> going to be? Four and three. Thank you. Matt Boys, Ryan is four and all. Matt that's Ryan is four okay. and zero with the Falcons against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like that—that that means literally nothing. I mean, he haw. Matt Ryan nothing. knows how to win. Yeah, but half. Yeah, but half of that Indianapolis team know how to crater in the game that they have to win in Jacksonville. It's not Carson Wentz that's leading this team. It wasn't here. purely Carson Wentz's fault. It was mostly his fault, but it wasn't purely him. It was a team. Complete meltdown. I think Nick Foles could win in Jacksonville with this Colts team. I think if oh, Ryan's injured and he comes out, that's that's it for me. I, I, I just don't see Jacksonville. I see it between... I, I only think one team's going to progress from this division. I do think there'll be a lot mm. of wobbles. And I think that the AFC is so strong, I could see the situation where only one team progresses. And I think bringing it back around before we go into the Texans. The thing for me about Derek Henry as well is they have leaned on him so heavily, but following the injury, I don't know that they can anymore. You look at what's happened to Christian McCaffrey, where the Panthers continued to lean and lean and lean. And now I don't think you can utilize McCaffrey anything like what he once was. And I think if the Titans want to stay relevant for the next couple of years, they need to protect Derrick Henry this season to an extent. If they use him like they've been using him the last couple of seasons, he will end up being broken. He'll end up shortening his career and it will set the Titans back. So they need to come up with something beyond giving the ball to Derrick Henry. And if, if you're and they're in trouble. If you're listening to this and you're hearing Cameron's prediction there, it is probably the best time to pick Christian McCaffrey in fantasy football because Cam- <laughs> Cameron is probably just guaranteed that he's RB1 this year with that. Let, let's talk a little bit about the Houston Texans. Obviously, there's been a change. They got rid of David Cully after just a single season. They've gone for a guy who's got a lot of head coaching experience in Lovey Smith, 81-63 and 63 with the Bears, 8-24 and 24 with the Bucks over two seasons. Was it a surprise hire? I, well, if you believe some of the things that were written around the hire, they were zoning in on Josh McCown and then some stuff happened elsewhere and there was a very quick about turn and Lovey Smith got the job. Now, we'll never really know the facts and the truth of that. But, I mean, the bottom line is this is a guy who took the Bears to the Super Bowl. So he's got loads of experience he knows how to run a franchise and he should bring a little bit of stability and a little bit of credibility and some class. And I think that that's what they need after the Watson fiasco. But the thing that's really interested me is the fact that they're obviously going to stick with Davis Mills, but they seem to have packed the team in free agency with loads of experienced players. They've basically rehired the Bills old pass rush, for example, 
So I don't think that they're complete duds. And if we're to assume that you know divisional games are what they are, and quite often you see teams split divisional games, I think the Texans are going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of a lot of teams that probably might not take them so seriously. So they've got Indianapolis at home in week one. I can absolutely see them knocking the Colts off in week one without a shadow of a doubt. Gordon, Lovey Smith's got great experience, but I mean, if I was to say to you, if the Texans were your team and I said, look, what we're going to do is we're going to bring in a coach who's just gone 17 and 39 Illinois in college, you'd, you'd be shaking your head. He is living off his past glory. Does he have it in him? For this job, uh, if the job is to go six and eleven, sure, because that—that's what this roster is. You look, I'm looking at the roster just now, and you look down the offense, and you're like, Brandon Cooks at wide receiver, that's pretty good. Yeah, like Nico, Nico Collins looks like an all right. Even they're kind of like complement receivers. You're like, all right, the offensive line, Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard. They drafted Kenyon Green. Mm-hmm. Right, like the running backs, Marlon Max decent. Damian Pierce has looked really good in preseason. Davis Mills wasn't terrible last year. He was arguably the best rookie quarterback um, at points last year. And then, so you're kind of like, you know, that's passable. And then you look at their defense, and outside of the couple of additions from the Bills, who I think will be like more uh, kind of complementary pieces rather than full-time starters, that defense looks really rough with the exception of I quite like uh, Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley, who they drafted, but they're both rookies. Like that defense looks rough. Mm. And I think that's a risk thing is the obviously they've got two great, talented players in the secondary there. But when you go in with two rookies there, you need experience at the back. And you've seen teams roll the dice without that experience. And it you can get shown up pretty quickly. You need to have a great commander in the middle of that defense. I wonder whether Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, they're both 34 years old now. They're not going to contribute every down. They're nowhere near to. They're not going to be as explosive. But perhaps what they're there to do is give some experience, some of the the the, the game smarts from their time playing in Buffalo. And I haven't been disruptive players. So I wonder whether there's an element there where they're going to look to them to try and do that. I mean, Desmond King's there as well. I think Desmond King's a player that could have a bit of a bounce back. So I agree with Gordon on this one completely. I think that you look at things on offense and there's, again, it's a, it's six out of 10. There's, there's, I'd say Brandon Cooks deserves a bit more than that. I think that, you know, obviously he's had so many head knocks. You got to worry about that. Nico Collins, I thought looked like a really exciting player. And if Davis Mills can continue his progression, then great. Marlon Mack's a really interesting one for me as well. I thought Marlon Mack was the unlucky man in Indianapolis because I genuinely thought he was an exciting talent out the backfield. Obviously, Taylor's better, but he kind of got cast aside pretty quickly. I think he had a couple of fumbles, a little bit of ball security, and then it's very easy when you've got a stacked backfield to just drop down the pecking order. So an opportunity for him to go somewhere new in the same division kind of stick it to his old team and show them what they're missing out on. I think he's a player to watch in this team and this division. They're, they're playing the NFC East. They've got a third place schedule. They're going to win a few games. Um, and the fact that they have a bit of an offense, I think they put 40 points on one one or two teams last year at, at certain points. So the, the, this this is the thing that the reason that we don't like the AFC South or we don't talk about it as much is I don't think it lights people up. It's not very exciting because you don't see teams going on crazy scoring runs, for example. 
There's a lot of tight games in there. And actually, if Houston have got a bit of an offense, then you could see them pulling like, pulling one or two out of the bag. I think they'll cause a few problems. I don't think they're going to reach the postseason, but I think that they're going to cause issues for the teams in their division. Well, they are the de facto Super Bowl champions as we speak, having beaten the Rams at the weekend. So they're currently the Super Bowl <laughs> title holders, having taken that from the Rams. So we will see where that goes. The AFC South, not always sexy, usually fairly interesting. Uh, we'll see how that passes. To the NFC then, and obviously we know that we're going to be talking about our favourite quarterback, minus one of us in the room. But before we get to him, the opening question, gentlemen, is simply, where's Brady been? Where's Brady been? Wherever he wants to be, given his money, exactly. How, how, are we, how are we supposed to know who was meant to talk there? Cameron didn't tell us if he was going for number one I was, or number two. I was he leaving wasn't... it open because they didn't know if anybody knew. So it was an open forum. So much for waving your fingers in front of the screen. God. (laughs) (laughs) The thing thing is, Brady can come back and slot straight in. I mean, I don't think there's any issues in terms of what he... uh, whether he's been away or you know what he's been up to, uh, I think his his main concern is going to be the fact that he's lost Ryan Jensen for the year and how that's going to affect the whole dynamic of that offensive line. You saw towards the end of last season there were they weren't quite right the Buccaneers when they started losing a couple of pieces on the offensive line, and we all know that Brady has got the you know he's he's got the movement of a, an oil tanker and sludge. He just needs to be protected, but when he's not protected, then he's vulnerable. So. It's going to be fascinating to see how he goes when he suits up in week one against the Cowboys and how that defense in Dallas, which is pretty good, gets after him. Because if they do get after him, then maybe the 46th year is the year that he actually finally gets the slide. <laughs> my my favorite thing of this week was the Reddit suggestion that he's not been around because he's on the mass Singer. And it it all spectacularly tied in. Now, the story is obviously that there was, like he was dealing with a personal matter, apparently it wasn't health-related. And then the thing today, I think, was that him and his wife had agreed to go to the Bahamas or something with the family when he was retired. Didn't feel like he could have backed out of that and all those things. And that could be entirely plausible. But it tying up with the filming time for The Masked Singer up until Friday, they weren't sure when he was coming back. So that kind of ties in nicely there. There's the Fox contract that he had that's like 50 million waiting for him when he signs on there. So he's got that. Gronk and Antonio Brown have done it before as well. So I if we if we wind up and it turns out that Tom Brady, who is, you know, one of the most prepared players in NFL history, was not at training camp because he was filming the mass singer for Fox. If that turns out being what the thing is, it's like one of the most incredible stories of all time. I think <laughs> it would be so, sensational. I'd love it. If it was true, I'd have more respect for him. If this is what it turns out to be, I wouldn't, but there we go. Um, <laughs> what's, he, what's he supposed to be in the show? Do we know? Is he broccoli or hot dog? A, or? Oh, I thought I was going to say a singer, but no, I, I thought you're going deeper than that. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'd just be very interested to know because he's obviously. I'm not being funny here. He's very fussy about his brand. You know, you wouldn't want him to be in a sort of naff, naff type costume. So it'd be just be quite interesting to see what he's supposed to be. 
I'll be dressed up like a pirate. It'll be on brand as to where he is now. That'll be part of it. Dear. Brilliant. Um, it's a shame as well that, you know, obviously being uh, someone who's very good at your game and has constantly performed doesn't always transpire because we've seen a very similar thing here. Tom Brady's allowed to swan off on holiday, but poor Rory McAllister got shunted out of Cove Rangers for doing the exact same thing. The double standards in sport is appalling. Um I think it's a disgrace if he's gone on holiday during the preseason. By the way, if he if he has done something like that and he's not prepared and they get off to a slow start, have you seen their first four weeks? Tampa Bay have got are away to Dallas. They go to New Orleans, who incidentally owned them last year, and then you've got Green Bay and Kansas City. Yeah, I've just so, read that. I just wrote zero and four. They could well, oh, conceivably go zero and four. That's a hot take, uh, Paul. It is a hot I need take. Him, I need him to bet a burger with someone that the Bucks are going zero and four. I said they could. Didn't say they would. Now come on, take it easy. That would be a great burger bet to start the year. Uh, I'm I'm daft, but I'm not stupid, so I'm not quite going there. I know there's concern in Tampa Bay about their line and the amount of players that they're losing to injury. They've lost both preseason games and all that sort of nonsense. And I think what you find with that is then you know people start to write slightly more negative stories about them but I I think the biggest story is Brady coming back because we all record a lot of people reckon he was actually heading to Miami um, and I think it changes the whole division I think it changes how everybody looks at the division they've got a really tough schedule um, and I don't think they're certain um, to get off to a great start but looking at the rest of it I think they'll win the division I don't think it'll be particularly close I don't buy that I don't buy that at all. Um, who, who would you say, if you, if you were to line the two defences up, which team would you say has got the better defence sitting here today? New Orleans or Tampa Bay? I give it to New Orleans every day of the week. And then I look at I look at the offence that New Orleans have got, and I'm not talking about the quarterback yet, I'm talking about the, the weapons there and potential, assuming that Alvin Kamara doesn't get wiped from the season, and I think they've got more weapons. And then you talk about the quarterback and it's all about whether Winston is as good as he was before he did his knee last season for the Saints. The big question mark for New Orleans, for me, and I think everyone who has associated with the team or knows anything about the game, is Sean Payton not being there. And that is the question mark. And that's why the Bucks are favourites. But I can see absolutely no reason why New Orleans cannot win the division. I, I'm... I'm convinced that they've got a good chance. Adam Sheen's released an article going into the 2022 season. He's ranked his best defenses in mm. the NFL. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are at position six and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at position seven. Fascinating that the Packers are at position three for him. But anyway, that's uh, that's for another podcast, right? Um, I just knowledge, get it in there to save you. I'm doing obsessed. it for you. You're I took obsessed. one for you. Before he had Obsessed. to mention it. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> you you brought it up. Um, I think he's right. I think the Saints Saints defense is terrific. And they as Paul was waving the sheet of paper there, they were all over Brady last year. So why would it why would it change? Is he gonna have has he gone away and found something else out? Don't forget the Buccaneers have got a new head coach as well. So they've got transition to make there. Um and they've lost Gronkowski, he's lost his safety blanket. Um and he's Chris got Julio Jones though. Oh, you, you might as well have a basically a concrete pillar in the middle of the 
<laughs> the middle of the offense. If Julio Jones manages to last the season, I will be frankly amazed. I think that Julio Jones will be highly relevant this year. I'll be honest. I think he's exactly the sort of player that will thrive with Tom Brady because Brady will find a way to get him that ball. If you're out his hamstrings sorted out and you go empty <laughs> backfield and you're up against Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Russell Gage in the slot, Cameron Bray or, you know, even Cal Rudolph is still a capable player. He's a bit old, so he's not going far down the field. But who the hell are you covering? It's all it's about just, the protection, though, Cameron, isn't it? It that's, is. That's what it's I think all that's about. the most interesting part of it, is that offensive line, obviously, Jansen's out. How much of an impact does that make? How, many, how much of an adjustment? What does the playbook look like? How much of it is controlled by Brady? How is a new head coach going to work with a quarterback like that? There's loads of questions in, in, in this one. There's loads of opportunities for them to get it wrong. However... If they've got enough talent there that if they get it right, they are they are the best team in the NFC. Paul, on to the, your Saints then. You, we've already alluded to this. Uh, we have to talk about Jameis. I know you don't want to, but what are your expectations for your quarterback this year? I, and what will you call success for him? Andy Dalton coming in in week three. Ah, I knew it's going to be... Right. Okay. Let's play serious here. You've got a good defense. There's no doubt about it. I think they've drafted well. I actually don't have any concerns about the new head coach. I think he's been in the organization. He knows what's happening. If there's going to be any issue with Dennis Allen, I think he'll try and put his own stamp on things too early. I don't think things necessarily need to move along. What have you got in Jameis Winston? We all know what Jameis Winston is. He's a quarterback capable of winning games and he's a quarterback more than capable of losing games. And that is the point where I I just don't like. We know that. I like Olive. I think he's come in, he's done well. He's He's looking decent. Taysom Hill, you know, he's now going to be a tight end. He is that player, you know, taking him away from the quarterback position. I think that's much better for us. I think it gives us a, an idea that he had his chance. He's not made it. Now go and try and be a tight end and get on with it. Can Michael Thomas come back and be Michael Thomas? If he can, that's brilliant. Then they've got a legitimate one-two punch. I think our defence is as good as Tampa Bay. I think they've got the advantage on offence. Although we do seem appear to have that slight Indian sign over them, so I'm not overly concerned in those games. The games I'm concerned about is the ones that potentially Winston will cost will cost us, and nobody's going to change my mind on that. So there we go. Well, I'll allow, allow Gordon to come in and talk some sense now. I I love the visceral that your hate for Jameis Winston goes so deep. That you tell when, you tell me, Gordon. Any other team that gets a just, cast off from someone else, how you're supposed to embrace them? I'm sorry. As a fan, I find that really difficult. Sorry, that, I'll let this, you go now. This is that, that's, I, why, I love, that's why. That's why. This is not. We've spent so much time on this podcast, like mocking Paul for this. I have, <laughs> I have such a respect for how visceral your hatred is. <laughs> he played at the Bucks to the point that you've just said, I don't really have any issue with the head coach, Dennis Allen has proven in the past to not be a good NFL head coach. Maybe he'll be fine in New Orleans, but the same reason why you don't want Jameis, the same uh, non-he-played-for-a-rival reason that you don't want Jameis in, in uh, New Orleans is the same reason you shouldn't want Dennis Allen. Taysom Hill, 
Taysom Hill has just proven to be a farce over the last three years. And you're like, and now, oh, and now no, you're saying it's great. He's a tight yeah, end. This will probably help us. Great. He's not even going to be a good tight end. I love Jameis. Jameis is the best quarterback the Saints have had in the last five years because the last few years of Drew Brees' career were an absolute shambles. He had the same arm strength that Big Ben had last year. Terrible. He had this. Cameron Hobbs might have actually had more success of completing a pass in that New Orleans system. Steady now. Claims to. You've just spoiled it. Steady. You've just spoiled it. Come you were on. going really well there. Oh, Gordon. You're, you're, you're jumping the shark, my I, friend. I, I'm, I'm, right, I'm right on this uh, with Gordon. Your your hatred is irrational and knows no bounds. And I, I it's have fan-like. to say, it's, it's totally blinkered and irrational. And if, he was, if he'd been playing for the, I don't know, the Chargers or in some Canadian football league and you'd come in and you would seen that he was inconsistent. You wouldn't, you, you've basically got in for him. And I tell you what, I don't think you should be allowed back to the city of New Orleans because I don't know what would happen to Jameis Winston. If you went back there, I'd be worried about his personal safety, frankly. I, I would be seriously concerned the next time you went to the Superdome for watch a game and he was quarterback, you'd be sitting in the, you'd be sitting there with your arm with your Coke or, and your big bag of uh, New Orleans chunky chicken fried wings trying to hit them, you know? I'm just Terrible. happy that you lot, you lot are fine about rolling over on getting players you don't like and just getting on with you them. Wait. Sorry, He's I'm, gonna you wait. He's going to take you to the NSC South. He's taking you to the NSC South. I can't wait to see your face in January. It's like Cameron getting Marshall lunch. So the, do you think the Arizona Cardinals had a similar reaction when they picked up Kurt Warner? When Kurt Warner was let go from the Rams, pinged around the Giants, did all right, Ended up in the Cardinals. And he took them to Super Bowl. Do you know what? I think that it's fine. Quarterbacks have up and down careers. They find the right system that works for them. I think that it can work really well for Jameis where it didn't work in Tampa because that Tampa team was missing a lot of pieces and they knew that they'd got the right pieces at the point where they could get Brady. Brady was the missing link. But it's not fair to compare Half of the, in fact, it's not fair to compare 80% of the quarterbacks in this league to Tom Brady. Um, I, probably even higher than that. And I think that you can't compare Winston to Brady, you can't compare Winston to Breeze. Winston is who he's going to be. He showed great signs, he didn't cost a single game, I don't believe, before he got injured. And it'll be interesting to see how he comes back from that. I think it's going to be a fascinating one. I think that there's an exciting, dynamic, thrilling offense there. The one worry I have is the amount of egos in that dressing room. Because with Jarvis Landry, with Michael Thomas, you've got two of the certainly most visibly stroppy wide receivers, I would say. I think that they are prone to showing that their toys are out the pram. And I'm not sure that Winston has the leader. I don't think he's shown. I'm not saying that. I don't know that he doesn't have them, but I don't think he's shown he's got the leadership qualities to corral those guys if they're getting a little bit unruly. Obviously, Kamara, there's question marks for him. Does the suspension that he's potentially going to face come in during the season? It looks as it's going to slip to next year. But how's his head in the game? Is he going to be able to come back and be 100% of himself? If he is, what an exciting player. But without looming over him, does that mean that the Saints, even themselves, decide to utilize other opportunities and try different things out in case they are going to lose him at any, one, any point in the season? Any, any quarterback that can throw for 5,000 yards is pretty good in my book. Not many quarterbacks can do that, can they? <laughs> 
I, I, I do like the, the, Paul's, Paul's irrational hatred, I understand. I think he's massively wrong, but I understand mm. from at least a, a fan's perspective. But like, is Jameis Winston one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL? Yes. Is he one of the best 20 quarterbacks in the NFL? Probably, yeah. Top 15, that's probably where you get to the like, maybe, maybe not. I mean, what, what better options do the Saints have? Ian Book? Because we saw that in preseason. Please. If, I, I want, I think your punishment, Paul, for not wanting your quarterback <laughs> to be successful should be a season long of Ian Book at quarterback. <laughs> no, see that that's just cruel because you can't judge that book by by his cover. No doubt about that. So no, let, let's not go there. Uh, you know, yeah, fan of rationality, but I don't try and hide that. I completely admit that. So that that's not a problem. Um, looking elsewhere, and of course, timely today that Carolina have come out and named their starting quarterback as Baker Mayfield, um, which Charles obviously has a chuckle about. <laughs> well, so Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and then poor old Matt Corral, who they drafted, who's just been done for the season. Um, I mean, what were they going to do in terms of upgrading from Sam Darnold? I mean, it's like, to use the football analogy again, it's like sacking Neil Warner and replacing him with Alan Kerbersley. You're still going to be shit. Let's be honest. That's the only way I can think of it. They are going change to be... Change for change's sake. Correct. Change for change's sake. Listen, Baker is has shown he has been mildly impressive in the right system under the right situation. He holds on to the ball for far too long. He's in Carolina because the Browns couldn't wait to get shot of him somewhere. And the Carolina are so desperate they agreed to take on his contract. I, I feel a bit sorry for him. At least he gets a shot at it. I think he's in a terrible situation. And... Carolina, their whole identity has been based around having Christian McCaffrey as their running back, and he's never been fit. And so Matt Rule's now in year three where he's got to win. He's got an itchy owner who's ready to make another change. And then what's going to happen? They're going to blow the whole thing up again. So it's just a, it's a disaster waiting to happen in Carolina as far as I'm concerned. And Baker's not in a great situation at all. And he's not going to improve them. Oh, he definitely improves them. I don't think they... But that, I think everything around him is... Or awful. I, I, I mean, I think that's absolutely true, but like he definitely improves them beyond Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's terrible. Ba- Sam Darnold's terrible, but I think I, Baker's going to be I, probably just as bad because no, of what's around no, him. He's, he's not. I, I, I feel the same way about Baker that I feel about Jameis Winston. It's not top 15. No, I would take no, Sorry, board, I've jumped the gun here. Start, go through your routine because I've jumped the gun, so, right? Is, is Baker Mayfield one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL? Yes. Yeah, he is. He is. Is he yeah. is he top twenty? That's the point. So he's maybe a step below Jameis in that sense. Maybe top yes. twenty. But we've he's not seen enough to prove it. The, the season he got the Browns to the playoffs was a top ten season. Last season for the Browns, the second half of the season he shouldn't have been playing. Yeah, uh, like there's no. It made no sense for him or for the Browns for him to play the second half of that season. It wasn't good enough to help them win because he was hurt. And all it did was tank any trade value he had when they decided that they had to spend a significant amount of money on what became an off-season distraction. And I've already talked about the fact as well that Winston, you know, may thrive in a new scheme because it just didn't work for him in Tampa Tampa at the time he was there. The Browns have been a shit show other than that single season and they've mismanaged that 
talent that they've had year after year. It wasn't all on Baker Mayfield that it was horrible. It was there was such bad play calling, just ineptitude at every level. There wasn't. Got to say that a certain people person sitting on this podcast was quite happy to pin it on Baker Mayfield more than once. <laughs> he was not very good, and no, it was not just because of the injury. He is not. He's not a number one pick quarterback. When I think back to number one pick quarterbacks, he was that year. It was there was a whole great debate about who you pick, and if you're Cleveland and you sit and you look at the quarterbacks that were taken that year, oh my god, you think what you could have had, you know. Josh and Allen. I, I bet a, I bet a significant amount of money that neither Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson make the improvements they make in years two and three if they end up in Cleveland. Yeah. I, I think and I think that that's the question that will be proven by whether or not he can go and do something here because there is talent there. And there was talent in Cleveland, but it doesn't feel like the Panthers have been really badly run. They've been unfortunate with injuries. There's been bits missing. It's not quite worked for them. Going and getting Sam Darnold was a bit of a, right, okay, whatever, lads. Right up there, one of the worst bits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same as the Carson Wentz one. Yeah, that yeah. Carson Wentz, I mean, last season for no, trades. Yeah. Just... I, I disagree. I think Sam Darnold, they got him relatively cheaply. He was worth a punt because the Jets ruined him and you wanted to see if there was any talent in there. And there wasn't in the end. I think that was worth a punt. I think you've been a little bit harsh on Baker. He's still, what, 29 and 30 overall. A team that arguably should have done better. But despite bad coaching, despite some shit shows on the sidelines, you know, he won them a few games along the way. I'm, I'm with Gordon. I think he improves the Panthers but I'm not convinced there's a great deal of talent around them simply because they keep changing things. They can't settle on anything. And they're just in that perpetual motion of team does badly, fire the coach, new coach, team does badly, fire the coach. You've got to stick somewhere along the line and they're just not doing that. The best bit about the whole thing is the fact that he's there now. He's a star. And in week one, he's going to Cleveland. (laughs) So... You know, it'll call come back around full circle on the uh, 11th of September and we'll see whether he's any good or not. And then he can get booed by both sets of fans. Excellent. Yes, it will be fascinating. Okay, we've talked about the three teams. The only one left in the room, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. So what is the best that the Atlanta Falcons can hope for in the 2022 season? that they get some idea on whether or not Desmond Ritter is worth it at a quarterback. This is, we just spent a good bit of time talking about Baker Mayfield and the Browns. This is the other team that entirely mismanaged their quarterback situation to chase Deshaun Watson. And <laughs> Matt Ryan, I think rightly, was like, all right, well, thanks very much, but I'll actually take a trade now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice guy, Matt Ryan. Bit of uh, credibility. I'm looking at the the, the Buccaneers, uh, the Buccaneers, the Falcons schedule. Week one, home to St- the, the Saints, they're going to lose. A week two, away at the Rams, they're going to lose. Away in Seattle, they're going to lose. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're they're traveling at the West Coast. They're not going to win up there. It, okay. I, I I can't see. I mean, they could beat Cleveland a week four with Jacoby Brissett in charge. Um, but I can't. And then they've got Tampa, not 49ers, Bengals. I can see them being one and six by the time the Panthers come to town in week eight. And that's it. I think that they are, I think they're one of the two or three teams that could be the number one seed. 
And I, I, I feel a bit sorry for them in some respect. Do you mean the number one pick, not the, the number, number one, one seed? Number, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I was going to say. It's that late. Was a hot it's late. I was it's, taking a burger bit. Number one seed. <laughs> number one, well, it's your fault for starting this podcast so bloody late. It's dark now outside. Um, I, I, I don't think that they've got any talent there. I mean, if, they're, if you're utilizing Cordero Patterson as your number one running back, it's just not right. I mean, they've got Kyle Pitts and then they've, they've managed to draft Drake London. That's fine. But again, it's, you know, Gordon's absolutely right. They need to see what Desmond Ritter can do. And he's he's been quite flashy, apparently, in preseason. So, but the defense is a mess. And in this division, this which is going to be lighting it up a bit more than the AFC South, which we we're talking about earlier on, they're not going to beat Tampa. They're not going to beat the Saints. So you're immediately fighting with the Panthers for to avoid last place. And I don't see many teams in, in the NFC that are worse than them. And I, I, I feel a bit sorry for Arthur Smith because Arthur Smith as a play caller in Tennessee worked wonders and he's come to his first head coaching job and I think he's inherited a bit of a shit show. Hmm. Uh, at what week do you think Marcus Mariota ends up on the bench and Ritter is the man to get the start in Atlanta? I think it's an interesting question because I think whatever the Falcons' woes will be, it won't be Mariota's fault. I think he's, you know, he had that difficult third season in Tennessee where he never really kicked on as much as people expected and eventually lost out. Um, I actually think he's decent enough. I think he will not be their issue. It just gets to the point where I'm just trying to look at their schedule. If you are going to bring in the new boy, when do you bring him in? You know, do you bring him in, say, November and, you know, get him in? You've got the Bears, the Commanders and the Steelers, which at that point doesn't look like the hardest section, you know, of the thing. Do you really want to, you know, test them going to the Bucks, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Carolina and then the Chargers? I think you see Mariota at least three week nine and probably through week 10. And if you're going to see Ritter, you're going to see him week 11 onwards. But I don't think the, the problem's not quarterback. I think the problem is is elsewhere. They don't seem to be able to draft well. Their lines are never particularly strong. And they are in a division with, well, at least two other good teams. So if for them to have a successful season, I think they've got to beat the Panthers twice. They've got to take care of the Bears, Commanders, Steelers. I think they've got to take care of the Browns at home, the Cardinals at home, and then hope they, they can beat the Buccaneers at home because it doesn't matter. I think that that's your sort of measure of success. I think it's six six wins, something like that. I think Gordon said this earlier in the podcast. What What is the expectation being set upon the head coach? And this is a thing that we never really know. All we, we tend to expect that every head coach is a winning record is demanded of them. I mean, David Cully last year in the Texans, I don't think did an awful lot wrong, but got binned. Now, has he been binned for a better coach? I'm not convinced. Here, what, what is the progress? When do you say to your head coach, subject to you performing your duties competently, um, as long as the team gets five wins, there's no conversation about you not coming back next year. And I think the, the interesting thing is, because the Bucks won't sustain forever, the Saints potentially won't. So at what point do you get your bounce back from the Falcons and from the Panthers? And are you going to trust that you've got the right people in place? If I can compare it to, you know, when New England were so far ahead of everybody in that division, at what point, you know, what point do the Bills, 
you know, hold on to the head coach? What point do Miami hold on to the head coach? You know, we've seen the Jets be a shit show and change all the, the time. I think both of these franchises to be successful this year, the Falcons uh, and the Panthers, is they've got to set a realistic internal target and stick by that no matter what the fan pressure is. Yes, indeed. Right. This feels where in the AFC conversation, there's a bit of conversation about, you know, it could be the Colts or the Titans, who could be the, the you know, mix it up. Gordon threw out a Jags worst to first the hot take in there as well. There's conversation. Is there anybody here does that? Is there anybody here thinks the order of the outcome will be anything other than Bucks in one, Saints in two, Panthers third, Falcons fourth? Uh, I, th- I I think I think it, I think you could flip one and two, and I think you could flip three and four. I think that's yeah, possible. I would agree. But, but I think your top two are Bucks and Saints, and I think your bottom two are Panthers and Falcons. And I think yeah, I think you can, can see disagree. both the top two, both of them reaching the playoffs okay. quite happily. Let's turn to some of the hot takes that we asked for people for on Twitter because there's one or two here, Tony. He says Jameis Winston will be on the cusp of an MVP season, going toe-to-toe with the Bucks all season when a freak accident involved in an animal derails his season. Mitchell <laughs> fight <laughs> Mitchell Kirsty said animal. Around pod 208, he's got his pod numbers wrong. 208 will be at week three or four by that point. And finally admits he's wrong regarding the Saints QB1. Paul, if Jameis Winston has an MVP season, will you admit that you're wrong about Jameis Winston. Of course he won't. <laughs> if he wins the Super Bowl. No, I think what you do, you've got to weigh it all up. You've got to look at all the factors, put it in together, and then at the end of the day, my fan of rationality will come to the fore and the answer is no. Let's move okay. on. So if you Ian win the Brent, Super Bowl, you're never going to forget We're him. not winning. We're not winning the Super Bowl with Jameis Winston as quarterback. No, and, and I think you've got to look back and you're like, for Paul... As a as a purist fan, you know he thinks back to the fact that the last time they won a Super Bowl was with Drew Brees, and he remembers the night that the Saints drafted Drew Brees because he didn't join the team as a free agent. He came from another NFL team, and all that. Yeah, yeah, but one of, one, one of our big, one of our biggest rivals. Yeah, the, the the charge is unbelievable. I mean, the hatred for them in New Orleans is off the charts. Well, well, are they playing a team that you do hate? If, if he'd come from the Rams, you'd been spitting yellow feathers again. So Ooh, never, never heard of them. <laughs> never heard of them. Ian Brown, he says, and his his at is at Scotland who dat. So he's speaking from you know position of authority. Winston will not throw a pick all season. That's his hot take. Hey, we'd love to see it. Oh, jeez. I mean. It, People shouldn't be lit near a keyboard at times, let's be absolutely honest. <laughs> Come on. Ian, Ian, get on to Paul Mitchell and you correct him, man. Uh, Reese Newton says the Colts will win away to the Jags. That's his hot take. Um, it could be quite a hot take indeed. That's quite a low bar to set yourself. If you're well, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, George Jackson says Winston will throw for the most yards and touchdowns in the NFC South. Could happen. I think that's more than likely. Yeah, I mean that, that that's again not a particularly high bars, but I, I'll I'll take where he's coming from. And Stephen Lynn's hot take will help make that happen. He says that Brady will retire before Christmas. Christmas isn't retiring, so we're we're fine. Brady will continue forever. <laughs> <laughs> that that is 
That's the no, best line Paul Mitchell's ever said on this podcast. I was going to say it in a, a long, in a long line of bad jokes on this podcast. That is absolutely right. That's a contender for the fringe joke of the year. That one. That You're just jealous. Quick. You're well, just jealous. Other news items. First of all, we have fully sold out our week one live event in Edinburgh. When we sat down and recorded last time, I said those four tickets, I was worried those four tickets would still be available. They did not last 24 hours after that point. Really pleased with the response. Very excited to be getting a room full of NFL fans together. And I can reveal, for those coming along, if you're listening in, free whiskey for everybody. There will be free whiskey for every single person that comes along to our live event, thanks to the great people at Loch Lomond Single Malt. We will be giving a dram out to every single person who comes along, and we'll be raising a glass together to toast the belter that is going to be the 2022 NFL season. So that's just one of the things we've got. We've got loads. There's raffles and prizes and all kinds of stuff. Honestly, super exciting. I can't wait to do all this. So more details to follow on all that. Talking about Scottish NFL fans and Scottish things in the NFL. Jamie Gillen hit his first ever field goal for the New York Giants this weekend as they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Graham Gano had to leave the game due to concussion. So what do you do when one Scottish kicker goes injured? Well, you bring in another one. But that's his first field goal since coming into the NFL. And you could see him absolutely delighted when he hit it from 31 yards. A 100% record in the NFL. That's better than Justin Tucker. Now, if we want a hot take, that is a hot take. <laughs> yeah. I, was gonna, I was gonna say steady now. <laughs> His success rate's better than Justin Tucker's. So I would ju- just like to assure all our listeners that Cameron has been testing for the last hour and a half. The he's dr- he's drinking be... throughout the podcast. That's why exactly. we've reached this point. <laughs> exactly. The other thing we'll be giving away at the, the golf tavern is a free black bag for everybody that comes. You can bag your own rubbish and take it home uh, wherever you're, <laughs> you're coming from as well. And I am open to bribery for my dram. The first person to buy me a Pepsi Max can have my dram. There you go. You heard it here first. Um any other news items that we want to tackle? Anything else that we want to cover before we wrap this episode up? I, I guess the only thing that we should discuss, um, because poor Borthwick is greeting into his pillow just now, is um, the injury to uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. And this debate we've been having offline about whether or not the, the hit was legal or not. Um, and he sprained his MCL, but... <laughs> You know, we, he could be back week one or two, and there's been a bit of debate as to whether or not it was a legal hit. I don't know. I thought it was borderline. I don't know what, what. What do you think, Gordon? I mean, by the letter of the law, I think I, I know Ian in our chat disagreed, but everything I saw from offensive and defensive linemen, both sets of players, was very much like it's legal. It's I saw a lot of defensive players saying like this is the type of thing that the NFL needs to make illegal. Not many people saying it, it you know, it, it's not a hit that should be made, and it's, it's unfortunately part of the game. Like, what, what is Thad Moss supposed to not try and block him? I, I also think if you watch it, I think he tries to hit him somewhere around that hip, that area, and Thibodeau kind of dips down a little bit as well. I think that or uh, moves up a little bit, that kind of makes it awkward. And I don't know. This is why I hate the preseason because. It's just, as I said it recently, it's the phony war. It's not 
it's not what coaches like. I, I get that they have to look at certain things, but I mean, I'm delighted that they reduced it from four games to three. Why would you want to put your absolute number one key asset in a situation whereby something like that possibly could happen? It's just, oh, I mean, he's a great, he's clearly going to have a great career, but if you're a Giants fan, you must be absolutely spitting bricks about this. It's interesting to see how it's reacting. So, I mean, it's been reported as low hit by Moss on Thibodeau was legal, even if it wasn't clean. Hit was legal, the NFL world reacts. And then you go to the New York Post, whose headline was dirty as fuck. So there you go. That, that's how it's been seen <laughs> in New York. Um, you know, so they, they're not taking it particularly well. Objective as always. Yes, <laughs> Objective the New York always, Post. I, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's interesting. It looked fairly routine in the way he was trying to go. And I get Gordon's given him the benefit of the doubt. I just think the way he finished it didn't need to finish like that. And yes, it's legal. In, in, a, normal, in a normal game, I don't think we're questioning this. Because it's pre-season and what's at stake for players, I think that's where the problem is coming from. And if people want that outlawed, well, I'll tell you what, change the laws but until the laws are changed if that's a legal hit it's a legal hit it's a bit of Bob Aggery I think he would have been nominated for a Bob Agger award last season if he'd done that especially in pre-season but if it's legal it's legal I think it's tough though as well like the whole oh you know that's not really the type of hit in pre-season offensive players still get hit properly by defensive players in pre-season the, the Ravens game last night there was like a big hit by a corner receiver and it's like the, these are guys who it's Playing at 75% itself can quite often lead to injuries. And I think this is just an unfortunate thing whereby Jamie said in our chat, Thibodeau doesn't exactly play it well himself. And, you know, maybe a bit more veteran savvy, he'll kind of figure it out. You get there, just don't keep your feet planted in the ground because that's how serious injuries can happen. If you get your feet planted in the ground and a hit like that comes in, that's where it turns from something that's... Uh, innocuous hit to something that could be a season ender you talk about other things that are worth mentioning Cameron I don't know if you guys have watched Hard Knocks yet Uh, I've only got through the the first episode Uh, Dan Campbell has not calmed down any I think that's that's, that's safe to say Um, so that was pretty good but the best uh, part was the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator in week one basically amazing loved it it was just Unbelievable. It was they brilliant. Were, if you didn't know they were good friends, you'd be amazed how they weren't thumping each other. Just such was the sledging of all. So if anybody's not seen it, that that to me was the obvious, obvious highlight so far. It was brilliant. And the other um, thing to note from it is Dan Campbell seems to have got one heck of a staff assembled at the Lions. He's, he comes across... I, I fall for this every year, but he comes across really likeable. Um, I'm finding myself getting on board with the lines even after one episode. Jamal Williams as well, you cannot help but feel impassioned when he speaks. However, when he loses, when he gets really wound up, he sounds like Eddie Murphy doing Donkey from Shrek. And I can't get it out of my head. Like, I genuinely can't get it out of my head. There's certain lines he says, and I was like, it sounds like Eddie Murphy doing Donkey from Shrek. Um, there's just something very similar in his inflection. Uh, and the tones that he hits, and I'm just like, ah, it's, it's 
sounds very much like it. Uh, yes, I've only seen episode one as well. Looking forward to episode two. Couple of two quick things before we wrap. One, mm. keep an eye out for the Pick'em competition. We always do this. We crown the pick king or queen of Scotland, and that will be announced very, very, very soon. In fact, by the time you listen to this podcast, it may even be uh, live. And if so, check our Twitter feed at Scotland NFL and you'll get all the latest information there. There's some amazing prizes from our sponsor who are yet to announce, but yeah, you'll know what's coming. Um, and they put up a great prize, another great prize coming up this year. The other one is and now a little talking point here, and we need your feedback. If you're a listener to the show and you listened to us last year and you've listened to us since we started, to be honest, you'll know that we've done our weekly awards. Now, you know, over the years, this is we've changed this and tweaked it and fine-tuned as we've gone. The Belter Award is absolutely staying this year, once again, sponsored by Loch Lomond Single Malt Whiskies. There's an open question, though, about the Bobag Award. Bobags as a sponsor were brilliant last year. They can't sponsor it every week this year. So it's giving us the opportunity to sit down and look at this and go, do we want to continue with the Bobag Award or do we want to do something different? Quite often it led us down into paths where we were talking about what I can only describe as nasty, heavy shit that actually the point of this podcast is to be slightly jovial, tongue in cheek and add a Scottish slant on the American football. So maybe it's time to do something different with the Bobag. Can I um, make a light, jovial proposal? Um, why don't we have poem of the week? Um, no, you're shaking your head, Gordon. Why? Why would you shake your head? I'm just, just thinking. I'm we shaking, want shaking my head for two reasons. One, because <laughs> you're not answering Cameron's question, and two, <laughs> because I've heard some of these poems and they're all terrible. No, I'm. I'm just thinking that. As you said, Cameron, we want this to be a place where NFL fans can come together in peace and love and harmony and talk about things that inspire them and things that are in the NFL are inspiring them. So just to, to, to sign us out, my proposal, and I'm not expecting that people out there will agree with me, is that each week someone sends in a poem about the NFL that we've just seen and the coverage that we've seen over the course of Red Zone on a Sunday. Um, and I'm hoping that somebody comes up with the immortal line along the lines of Chris Olave going to be famous because he's catching balls from Jameis. There you go. That's my proposal. So if you agree with me, then... That's a strong pitch. That's a great pitch. And if you don't like it, send something in better than that. You lost me at the end there. <laughs> oh, you had me right till the very end. <laughs> to, to your point, Cameron, if there is another way to frame it that gets it more about boneheaded things on the American football field, I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea. Belter and bonehead. There you go. Scottishism and it brings it back to the Bowfin like we talked about Bowfin for a while and it kind of went away to the side but, telling you, yeah. I'm telling you it's poetry bard that begins with bird I, I, th- I think yeah, I think you, you use both ideas we have the belter we have the bonehead and we ask for a, a limerick of the week a poem's a bit posh we'll go we'll go with a limerick or something like oh. that but yeah I like I like that I'm sure we could I'm sure we could go with all three and we could end the program with the best limerick yes these are all good ideas but we were going to turn this over to you the listener because ultimately it's what you want to hear so please do send us a tweet. Send us a message. Let us know your thoughts. We genuinely want to hear. Our, our DMs are open. And if you don't want to put it public and you just want to send it directly, 
what we'll do is we'll gather all the different inputs and all the different ideas. What we'll maybe do is we'll figure out what we think are the top couple best ideas. And we've not talked about this, so I'm just landing on the guys, but maybe this is something that we do a vote for at the week one live event, because the first award isn't going to happen until after that anyway. So maybe we, we let people decide on the night, because this is a community. This is a democracy. Um, and then I'll ignore all your pish and I'll do what I want, because I've got the I've got the record button on my end and I do the editing. So there you go. No, we definitely want to hear your input. Um, it's important to us that, you know, we're providing content that people want to listen to. We know from last year that people did enjoy the Bob Ag nomination. There was an element there where it's great fun to poke fun at some of the ridiculous slapstick comedy things that happen. And in Scotland, we like to laugh at that. We lie. Part of, again, Scottish football. Why do we love it? Because it's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. And it's nonsense. And we want to celebrate the nonsense because that's the best part of sport. Send us your thoughts. We'll pull something together uh, and let's decide this together. Anyway, I think that's about it for episode 196. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this one and to all of them. Share your thoughts on the awards. Share your thoughts on anything. That's Scotland NFL on Twitter. Or you can send something to any of us directly. Steady yeah, on. We'll, Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, apart from Charles, unless it's about the Packers, Charles is off to away and create many, many fake Twitter accounts that's going to propose the poem. Gordon is off to continue understanding why I'm irrational about Jameis Winston. But for now, that is the end of the episode. My thanks to Charles Paris and Gordon McGuinness, Cameron Hobbs. Until episode 197, thanks for listening. Bye for now. You're just giving me a great idea there. <laughs>